Hey guys, welcome to the fourth episode of the Third uh, and Twenty Dynasty Football Podcast. Um, if you can tell, I'm not the normal intro person. Lunis normally intros us. I'm JT. Uh, he must just be heartbroken by the Eagles tying to the Bengals, which we'll get into. Um, so with me, we have Jake, and then we have a new member, Lucas, who also does write articles. He does some really good work on the Third and Twenty site as well. How you? How we? How are we, guys? We are chilling. <laughs> I'm good. Thanks for having me on. I'm excited. <laughs> yeah. Lucas is a Jets fan, so I don't know how excited he could be. Yeah. We're taping before the Thursday night football game. so yeah, We're about an hour <laughs> away from kickoff of this Jets-Broncos Thursday night game. So let's see how it goes for Lucas while we record. You know what? We, you want to just start off with that? We'll, we'll just start off with this because people are going to be listening after the game. So let's just have some really hot takes about the game, and then we'll see if we're right. <laughs> All right, I'm down. Let's start with it. All right. So, so my first hot take is Adam Gase becomes the first head coach to be uh, fired mid-game. Just kicked <laughs> off the sidelines. <laughs> Pull Avante Davis for a coach. Yeah. yeah. He, he just gets locked in the locker room at halftime. <laughs> the Jets trot back out there for the second half. Uh, I think that Melvin Gordon's going to go off. This Jets defense is horrible. Uh, Melvin Gordon, without Drew Locke, is going to get the ball 30 times tonight. Uh, I think Philip Lindsay is unlikely to play, so let's see how Gordon responds here. Yeah, Philip Lindsay, I don't think he's going to play. Uh, Melvin Gordon, over 21.5 receiving yards, looking pretty nice, especially with uh, Brett Redd being in there. I think he might check it down to him a lot. Um, but here's the thing as a Jets fan, and I said this before, the Jets are really good at one losing games that they really need to win, but also winning games when it'd be beneficial for them to lose. And obviously the storyline tonight is if they lose Adam Gase is done. So I just think it'd really be typical of the Jets to come out and somehow play really well and win this game. Um, so that's what I'm kind of afraid of. <laughs> <laughs> you want Gase gone, I'm assuming. I feel like every player that has played with Gase has uh, completely increased his production as soon as Gase is no longer their head coach. Look at Tannehill. Look at Devontae Parker. Like, there's a whole list goes on and on. So I feel like it would be a good thing for the Jets players. Yeah, especially seeing how the whole offense is just so stagnant and Sam Darnold is regressing. You know, time's kind of running out um, for him to really, you know, have some nice development in his early years in the league. Um, I think it's really best for the entire organization to let Gase go. And, you know, the sooner they do that, the better. All right. So uh, hopefully the people that listen, uh, they'll let us know if we are right or wrong about that. Um, all 12 of them. <laughs> all right, Jake, you want to get into the 10 words or less of the week three recap? Sure. So we're going to backtrack. We're going to do the week three recap. The first game we got is Jags and Dolphins. And my 10 words are Fitzmagic is back. Robinson and Gaskin continue to rise. Yeah. So um, Minchu did not look that great. It was his first real down week um, while Fitzmagic looked really good. Um, You know, the Jags wide receivers look very pedestrian without DJ Chark in there. Um, and Robinson looked really good. 
Um, so I think what comes out of this is what would you guys be willing to give up now to acquire James Robinson? Is it a first round? Is there a first round pick that you'd be willing to spend for James Robinson? I think if you're a contending team and your team is solid, except for maybe the running back position, you have a little bit of weakness. Maybe if you were like a Saquon or a Christian McCaffrey owner and you think you're one running back away from probably the title, I think it's worth paying the first. Um, For this year, I think Robinson, the outlook looks really good. Beyond this year, uh, he's an undrafted free agent, you know, so obviously the draft capital isn't there and the Jags don't have much of an incentive to keep him uh, as their guy uh, unless he just keeps performing at a really high level. But I think for this year, um, he definitely could be worth that late first round pick if you're a contending team trying to win the title. See, I don't know if I would go that far quite yet. I would be willing to give up my second round pick, no questions. I think he's earned that. I would. I have to see more than three weeks of production to give up a first round pick for an undrafted free agent that probably wasn't even picked in your rookie draft. So I just want to see a little more before I give up that high value asset. Yeah, I'm, I'm more on the side of I want to wait and see what happens when um... – Armstead and Ozigbo come back because, uh, you know, you don't know how involved they're going to be and if it's actually worth uh, giving up any, like giving up such a high pick for an undrafted free agent. Um, anything else you guys want to touch on from this game? Miles Gaskin. Yeah. Yeah. He had 22, he had 22 carries compared to Jordan Howard in second who had three. <laughs> and it was basically I one yard, one touchdown for Harry. It was actually Ryan Fitzpatrick who had 38 yards on seven attempts. <laughs> That's true. That's true. But, uh, yeah, it seems like Gaskin, who was, I believe, a seventh-round pick last year, um, uh, has Wait. claimed this, this backfield from, you know, Jordan Howard and Matt Breida, which I'm kind of surprised at as the Dolphins went out and – signed Jordan Howard and traded a draft pick for Matt Breida and now just give it to the guy that was already there. So a little surprising to me. Yeah, it's some good points. If you guys want to move on to Bears Falcons now. Yep. My 10 words for Bears Falcons. We got Falcons choke again. Foles takes over. Bears weapons trending up. That's very true. I'd, I'd be very happy if I was um, an Allen Robinson owner right now just to to get rid of <laughs> Trubisky because uh, Allen Robinson really should be – like he's probably a wide receiver one with Nick Foles in there. Um, you know, in our, our league, Nick Foles was just traded for a second-round pick. What do you guys think about that kind of valuation for Nick Foles? Uh, I think it's maybe a bit too much. Foles – I mean, he could very well be the starter for the rest of the year for the Chicago, but I think, you know, he's, he's you know, kind of at this stage of his career, he's not someone that's going to be a franchise guy. I know he still has, I think, one or two years on his contract after this season, but he's definitely more of a bridge quarterback. The, the Bears are definitely going to try to um, find their QB of the future, whether it's in the draft this year um, or something else. So I think a second's a little bit much, 
I think a third's more appropriate for Foles. But again, maybe Foles goes off again this year and uh, proves he's worth that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I completely agree with Lucas. The owner of Foles actually contacted me because I was the Mitch Trubisky owner. As you guys know, Maserati Mitch is now Mitsubishi Mitch, but that's fun. <laughs> um, so he contacted me, and I was exactly what Lucas said. I was more in the range of a third-round pick. Uh, I just didn't think that Foles is going to be there long-term. He's clearly a bridge quarterback for the Bears. They're going to have to do something there to solidify that position long-term, whether it be in the draft or free agency coming up. Um, the other news to come out of the bear side of uh, this game is Tariq Cohen uh, out for the year with the torn ACL. Um, he's just a weird guy because I always, I always felt he was more like he was definitely someone worthy of a roster spot. But it was always like, well, when am I going to actually like put him in? Like I feel like I'd have to be desperate to have him in. It's a weird situation for him. Um, so I don't know what you guys would consider doing if you're Tariq Cohen owners. I mean, like you said, he's probably at least your fourth or fifth running back, I would assume, um, mm-hmm. if you're a decent team. Um, I don't think it has much effect. I think, if anything, it just boosts Montgomery's stock a little bit. Yeah, yeah, I agree with that. Um, right. And then on the Falcon side – um, Matt Ryan had an eh game. Um, Calvin Ridley still produced though. Uh, he had 110 yards on, um, five receptions, 13 targets though. Um, but what's more important, I think from this is the running backs is starting to look more like a committee with Todd Gurley and Brian Hill. Uh, Todd Gurley had 14 carries for 80 yards and a touchdown and Brian Hill had nine carries for 58 yards and a touchdown. Both had a reception. Um, which Brian Hill actually took for 22 yards. Mm, what do you are you are you guys panicking if you're Todd Gurley owners? I think the panic meter is slightly low. Um, I mean, Gurley. It's not like Gurley had a terrible game and Brian Hill put up that kind of production. Gurley was still solid. I think if Brian Hill can keep producing, maybe he can work cut into Gurley's workload a little bit, but after just one game from Brian Hill like that, um, it's not too much cause for concern, I would think. Yeah, I don't think it's any more cause for concern than just Gurley's health in general. Um, Obviously, coming into the year, he's an older running back with some injury history. People were down on him, and especially dynasty leagues. But I think this is just how the Falcons are going to limit his touches, especially early in the season, try to keep him healthy long-term, which could benefit you in the end. All right, so we want to move on to the next game? Yeah, sure. The next game we got is Rams-Bills. Rams come up just short. Now Henderson's backfield, Allen Elite. Yeah, this was probably one of the best games of uh, the weekend. Um, It it was interesting to see the uh, Bills go up so much, then the Rams bow back, and then Bills win on that questionable uh, pass interference call. Um. Yeah, so I guess we'll come. We'll start with the now Henderson's backfield. Um, you know, if you're a Cam Akers owner, you depending on if it's super flex or not, you definitely drafted him somewhere around the the halfway point of your draft. Um, maybe a little earlier, non super flex. You mean um, just to clarify? What'd you say? 
first round of mid first round of your yeah yeah first round first round um it's three games in are are you panicking yet or is it you know just hold wait and see he's injured to me this is a really weird one just because like the the Rams have put so much draft capital last year into getting trading up to get Dow Henderson and now this year taking Akers in the second round Obviously, Akers is hurt right now, and it's opened up the backfield a little for him. But I don't think Henderson's a guy that they're going to just fade. I don't think it's like a Malcolm Brown kind of thing, where after week one, you know, they start the vet in week one and let him get going while the rookie and the second-year player are just, you know, still trying to adjust, especially with no OTAs this offseason. So it's a weird one. I'm not – I wouldn't panic on Akers, but – uh I don't think I think Henderson has a long term spot in this backfield. Yeah, I definitely don't think it's over for Acres. It's only three games into the season, um, and I mean it's just going to be whoever has the hot hand for the Rams going forward. But that's definitely Henderson right now. I mean, watching the game last week, Henderson just like every run it seemed to he was just like ripping off chunks of yardage, and then Acres obviously didn't play. But you know, compared to Malcolm Brown, Malcolm Brown really couldn't do anything. Um, so Henderson just looked a lot better. Yeah. Um, st- sticking with the Rams, Cooper Cup and Robert Woods both had really solid games. Um, Jared Goff as well. Um, then you go on the Bill side, and Josh Allen's just been going off, <laughs> which I don't know about you guys. I didn't expect, like, I think most people felt like he'd be good this year, but I didn't expect. He's currently, um, at least in our league, I'm pretty sure in most leagues, the second overall quarterback, uh, fancy-wise, uh, which is pretty nuts. He's thrown over 300 yards, three straight games, and he went over 400 yards um, two weeks ago against Miami. Um, wait, would you guys say he's a top-five quarterback, dynasty-wise? Jake's nodding his head yes. <laughs> Lucas uh, looks okay. like he's not there. Like, I'm a Giants fan. You guys, listeners, have known this. I'm a Giants fan. I am – Temporarily a Bills fan, New York, New York, the only good New York sports team there is. The stink, the Giants stink, the Mets stink. I'm a Bills fan. Let's go, circle the wagons. Give me the elite quarterback. I don't know if I would say Allen's top five. I mean, he's definitely making the case to be up there. I think top ten is more appropriate for right now. But I mean, he's really done everything he could this year to silence you know kind of his critics so far um like you said he threw for 300 yards in each of the games so far this year and he the thing about him was like he'd never done that coming into this year so that was the the big knock on him um but he's continued to do that and he's still being productive rushing the ball which um was kind of the strong suit of his game the first two years in the league but now that he's getting the the passing aspect under control too that makes him pretty dangerous Mm -hmm. Uh, yeah I I think I'm leaning a little more towards Lucas but he's definitely up there Um, (laughs) um, Stefan Diggs and Cole Beasley had solid games as well and um, something of note is Devin Singletary um, showed that he's still very productive when Zach Moss uh, is not around but as we've seen when Zach Moss is he's He's kind of annoying to start. It's annoying to have him if you're a Devin Singletary owner. Um, anything else you guys want to touch on? 
No, I'm good on this game. Uh, great game, but I'm ready to move on. Same here. All right, next up we got the Washington football team and the Cleveland Browns. My words are running backs carry the Browns. Want to see Terry with a real QB. Yeah, I'll stick on your last point right there. Um, Dwayne Haskins looked rough. Um, but to be fair, I feel like this is more of an outlier than it is a normal occurrence for Dwayne Haskins. I feel like Dwayne Haskins isn't getting the support <laughs> he needs. Like, he has Terry McLaurin, and that's really about it for his outside options right now. Antonio Gandy-Golden hasn't really proven himself yet. Dontrell Inman was actually who caught two touchdowns this week, um, which was weird to see. Um, and I was just wondering, like, if you guys were Dwayne Haskin owners, do you think he's sticking around for Washington next year? Do you think he will be the starting quarterback? It depends if they're in a position to draft one of the top quarterbacks in the draft this year, whether that's Fields or Lawrence. Um don't forget our boy Trey Lance. We are a Trey Lance podcast. <laughs> okay, respect the Trey Lance as well. Um, but, I mean, that really just depends. I mean, if they're in the position to draft one of those guys, it probably means their record's not very good, which also means Haskins also didn't perform well. I know they also spent a first-round pick on him, you know, a couple of years ago. So they want to give him time. But, I mean, this game he didn't look very good against the Browns defense that, you know, got lit up kind of the last two weeks. So, you know, it's not a great start for him. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I agree with that. Um, On the Browns side, like I say every week, start both of the running backs. Why why wouldn't you? I mean, Chubb went off again for 108 Mm -hmm. yards and two touchdowns, and – Hunt scores again. This to this week, it was on a receiving touchdown, and he also added forty six yards on the ground on nineteen or sixteen, sixteen carries. Excuse me. And I know that's not a great yards per carry, but it just shows he's he still gets consistent touches in this offense despite Chubb being in front of him. Mm-hmm. And just you know, tough games again from OBJ and Jarvis Landry and Baker Mayfield. It's like. If you own any stock in this passing attack, like you got to be worried that it's just gonna you're just gonna have to phone it in for this year for those players because it just seems like they're just gonna be a straight run team. Yeah, uh, I'd hope you've sold on uh, Hooper last off season before coming off that big year from Atlanta because in Cleveland, woo, talk mm-hmm. about that. Mm-hmm. Uh, anything else on this pot on this um, game? Uh, I got nothing. Yeah, me and this game was kind of a blowout. So, <laughs> moving on, another blowout. My Giants. I take that back. My second team, the New York Giants. <laughs> um, Ayuk breaks out. Giants have no reliable fantasy options. Yeah, well, with Saquon down, it's been <laughs> it's been real rough. Um, I don't even know where to start on the Giants' offense. Number one, Daniel Jones. What would you even be like? You're a super flex. We're a super flex league. I don't even know what I'd be willing to pay for Daniel Jones. Like, he's got a lot of potential, but his turnovers are just, they've been crazy, like, like they have been. Um, and he's got four 
interceptions to two touchdowns on the year, which is just tough to see. Um, in his defense, though, he's faced some really tough team defenses three weeks in. And against him, though, it's, it's not going to get much easier for a little bit. <laughs> so um, what are you guys doing with the Giants offense? I feel like it's just hold and see and wait for Saquon to come back. <laughs> yeah. Um, Daniel Jones, I hate to say it as a Giants fan, but, like, if we're – like, just like the Redskins – oh, sorry, the, the football team – yeah, yeah, that's right. <laughs> yeah, we're gonna have to go edit that out. Uh, I'm canceling you. Yeah, just um, uh, bleep it. <laughs> um, if the Giants are in position to draft one of these top QBs, I don't see them passing. I think if they're that bad, I think Gettleman gets fired finally, and the new GM will want to start fresh with a new quarterback, especially if it's one of, you know, Trevor Lawrence or Josh Fields, someone of that. Top end caliber. Yeah. Hope oh, you got something to add, Lucas. Yeah. Um, I kind of feel the same way. Uh, the one stat that really surprised me, which is, I guess, kind of in Daniel Jones' favor, but really bad against the Giants, is that Daniel Jones is leading them in rushing yards by like a very wide margin. He has something like 100 through the first three games, and then like, none of their running backs have like over 25 or something like that. Yeah. Not, it's not pretty on the giants offense. <laughs> I mean, I, I, Evan Ingram needs to be cut. I can't stand watching this dude play every week. Uh, I'm sorry. He's talented, but he drops so many balls and then is always injured. Get him off my team, please. <laughs> Are, um, is this a, is this also a Caden Smith podcast? I, I'm a Keaton Smith guy. I like Caden Smith. I think he's a good player. So I guess okay. we are. How do you feel about Caden Smith, Lucas? I like him as well. I like him as well. I think without Ingram, he he could have a chance to uh to shine. That's good news because I literally just picked him up for Tyler Eifert in our league. Um, <laughs> yeah, I have him in a couple other leagues. <laughs> um, on the other side, the San Francisco 49ers. Um, one, it seems like whoever's in their backfield is just going to have a good game, whether it be Mostert or McKinnon or Jeff Wilson, like whoever is back there, you just want a piece of the, uh, 49ers running backs. Um, except for Tevin Coleman, who hasn't shown much yet. Um, but what's more interesting to me is Nick Mullins. I don't know if you guys know this stat. But through their first nine games in the NFL, Nick Mullins is only behind Andrew Luck and Patrick Mahomes for most passing yards through nine games. Which is just a wow. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> just a wild stat. <laughs> but Nick Mullins is he's probably one of the best backups in the league. Um I wouldn't be surprised if some team actually does go and try and get him for a starting job just to see how he, he does. Yeah, well, reportedly the 49ers last year, I think, turned down trade offers for him. Yeah, it makes sense. He's good. <laughs> I, I think he might be a product of that uh, Shanahan offense. I think he makes any quarterback look good. I know Jimmy G, I think he's more of a game manager. Some people may think otherwise, but I think he's much more of a game manager, and he, he looks good in that offense, so – Maybe it's Shanahan, maybe it's not, but that offense is good. They have pieces around them, and 
Nick Mullins is producing. So can't can't complain with him. Um, anything else you guys have to add? Uh, Brandon Ayuk did go off, like Jake mentioned. Um, it'll be interesting to see what he looks like when Debo comes back. Um, it'll actually be very interesting to see what the 49ers offense in general looks like when they actually have a passing attack uh, for once. Um, I think George Kittle, is he back this week? I thought I just saw I think before. he is playing, yeah. Yep. Yeah. Sure. So they're probably going to be resembling the Super Bowl team um, they were last year again. Um, that's all I really have to say about them. I don't know if you guys have anything else you want to include or if you want to move on to the next game. I'm, I'm good. good to move on if Lucas is. Yeah, I'm good. All right. The next game we got is Titans-Vikings. And my words are, Vikings finally feed Dalvin. Jefferson breaks out. Titans still win. <laughs> yeah. Um, so I think, interestingly enough, just, uh, Justin Jefferson was like one of the top-ranked uh, players by Pro Football Focus this week, uh, which was cool to see if you're a Justin Jefferson owner. Um, you know, Dalvin Cook, they finally decided, as Jake said, like, let's just give it a Dalvin Cook and hopefully we'll win. Uh, unfortunately, did they, they did that against the Titans and they came up just short. It was actually a very good end of the game uh, where the lead um, changed a couple times. Um, all right. I don't, I don't know who I want to start with yet. Kirk Cousins, are we – Believing in him yet? Like, he finally had an, an okay fantasy game, but even then it was still – Jake's just giving me straight thumbs down. <laughs> He's not like Kirk Cousins. Lucas is shaking his head. Um, yeah, I'll say one thing. He's definitely overpaid for what he is. Um, Fantasy-wise, dynasty-wise, he's – an okay QB2, I guess. Like, I'd be looking to upgrade. <laughs> he is what he is. He's going to have his big weeks, and he's going to have his bad weeks, and it's going to be very inconsistent, and the offense is mainly based around the run game. It, it's a mess. I I don't want any part of him, to be honest with you. Mm-hmm. Yeah, if we're doing a trending up, trending down later, you'll hear me talk about Kirk Cousins more, but – um. Yeah, he's off to a rough start this year. It is encouraging that it looks like he's developing some chemistry with Justin Jefferson, so that will help him a lot, especially because he doesn't have Stephon Diggs with him anymore. Um, But, yeah, he already has six interceptions this year, which is the same amount as he had all of last year. And I think kind of what you want out of Kirk Cousins is him not to make those mistakes. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, I'll touch on what you just said. Justin Jefferson had a really good game. Um, But quietly, depending on if you're PPR or not, half point, Adam Thielen's right around the back end of um, a wide receiver one. He's he's right around wide receiver eight to 12, depending on your league scoring settings. Um, And it's just kind of like I don't know what I'd do with him. If I was a rebuilding team, I think I'd sell him off. I don't know what I'd be looking for in return. Um, Then also – Kyle Rudolph had a really nice touchdown, <laughs> a game-saving touchdown for him fantasy-wise. But the tight ends just have not uh, been what they should – like they haven't lived up to their potential this year. Uh, Jake, you own Irv Smith. What are you thinking right now? I am nervous, man. 
Like, I had really high hopes for Irv Smith coming into the year. A lot of people had him as their breakout tight end, thought he would take some of the targets that Diggs vacated. And he's just – I think he's had two catches in three weeks. Like, he's done absolutely nothing. He went catchless this week. Um, I, I don't know what to say. He's, he's a guy that is a very talented pass-catching tight end, and they are just not using him – He's only on the field for about about 50% of their offensive snaps. And pretty much whenever he's on the field, he runs a route, which is a pretty big tell to the defense that it's a pass play, which I, I just think it kind of hurts his value. And anytime he's on the field, they're going to know to pay attention to him. Yeah, I I, I like what you're saying. I, I, I would have the same um, sentiments too. Um the other breakout tight end named Smith, though, breakout candidate, Jonu Smith on the Titans, um, he's caught three touchdowns in three games. But more importantly, he's been targeted 20 times through three games, which is a lot more than he was seeing last year. You, you wanted, the, the knock against Jonu Smith was he wasn't getting the targets. Now, we talked about this last week. A.J. Brown's still not back, so we don't know how that's going to affect him. Um, well, I'm still – I own John Smith. I'm a John Smith believer. He's currently the tight end one in standard league scoring and tight end two in PPR. No, he's tight end two all the way around. Kelsey's still one. Is he? Simmer down, yeah. Um, um, I, guess, I guess after Monday night. Yeah, yeah, yeah probably. It probably has an update. Um, but regardless, very very good numbers for John through three games. Um, Corey Davis is still – somewhat producing he's you know he's not living up to that first round rookie draft expectations that you probably had of him but he's doing okay um hopefully he'll be the wide receiver two on the titans that he should be um and then finally you got derrick henry and ryan Tannehill. this was Tannehill's first real low game um he didn't throw any touchdowns and but he did throw one pick um you know, he kind of saved it, though, because he passed for over 300 yards. Um, so, yeah, uh, the the more important part of this game, though, is that they won't be playing this week due to COVID. It's our first COVID, um, COVID game ruiner. So we should we should keep that on lookout. Um, do you guys have any strategies of what you're going to do going forward about potentially missing games due to COVID? Yeah, um... One thing I would be aware of is who in the league that missed game affects, especially like this week is uh, the game that's going to be postponed is Steelers and Titans. That's a those are two teams that have a lot of fantasy relevant players between both running backs and Connor and Henry and receivers on both sides or receiving weapons on both sides and Jonu Smith and Juju on the Steelers, as well as, uh, I guess with, I guess Deontay might miss this week with a concussion, but this is a very fantasy relevant game. So I'd pay attention to who has those guys and do they need a running back this week? Cause Henry's out. Do they need a running back because uh, Connor's out? Like even on the quarterback, if you could sell a quarterback cause they're missing Tannehill this week, I might, if you, if you picked up, happen to pick up Brett, ripping on the on the the wire and you can trade him to the guy that has Tannehill and who needs a one-week starter it might be might be a move Mm -hmm. 
Yeah, hopefully this is kind of the only time this season that something like this happens. Everyone, you know, kind of at least in the back of their heads expected some kind of scheduling arrangements to kind of get messed up because of COVID. Um, you know, luckily it was, wasn't until week four that there's been a problem. I know like with baseball, like after like the first couple of days of the season starting, there were issues. Um, but yeah, just this week, it shouldn't be too much of a big deal, but if this kind of compounds and you see more and more teams coming back with positive tests, um, it could definitely derail some seasons for sure. Yeah. The, the one thing I'll add is, um, you know, it's kind of, it could help certain players like AJ Brown, for instance, he was not going to play this game. I don't think like there was a good shot. He wasn't, um, same with Deontay Johnson. He probably was going to be out with the concussion. Um, and so now you, you lucked out and now you get two players for an extra week that you probably would not have had them for. Um, that's really it. it should be interesting to see what's going to happen in the future. Hopefully this is the only game that is affected. Um, but you guys want to move on now to Raiders Pats? Yeah, sure. So sure. here's the words for Raiders Pats. We got Burkhead scores three, Sony a hundred yards and Renfro has a nice day. Yeah. So that was the typical Burkhead game of the year where he just does punch it in for <laughs> multiple touchdowns. Um, We've said it before. We'll say it again. The Patriots' backfield is a mess. It's so hard trying to figure out who to own. Um, we bring in Lucas, though, who is a Damian Harris owner. Um, do you think Damian Harris will be able to take over this backfield and at least be fancy relevant, as in, like, starting him week to week? Um, I mean, for my team, maybe. <laughs> my, running back, my running back room is not very good. Um, overall, I think it's just going to be really tough. Um, I mean, it's just so crowded, you know, even with Sony Michelle and Rex Burke had able to have like really good productive games last week. Um, they were still missing James White and now James White's going to be back. Damien Harris is going to be back. I don't know if they're going to keep JJ Taylor involved as well, but just like, I mean, it looks like there's going to be like four or five guys that they could be rotating in every week, which just makes it a total mess for fantasy. And it's just going to be too hard to rely on any one guy to be consistent week to week. Mm -hmm. Yeah, Yeah. I agree. And that's not to mention Cam's rushing ability and goal line, especially. That seems like whenever they get to the goal line, they're just going to run Cam straight up the middle because he's a (laughs) human being. And Belichick's no idiot, and he knows that nine times out of ten, he's going to fall forward for a yard. So definitely yeah. a tough place for running backs to play. Um, speaking of Cam, it was a quiet game for him, but it didn't really have to be a big game for him. Like, they kind of just paced the game. You could tell it was in the game script that they were just going to run it <laughs> against the Raiders. Um you know, I, I'm starting to think this we, – we might be an anti-Nikhil Harry podcast, um, which I'm okay with. I, I just am still not a believer. Um, Julian Elman had a really rough game, though, um, and that would be upsetting if you started him. He is currently in the wide receiver two category right now, um, but prior to this game, he was borderline wide receiver one. So he's someone to keep on your radar if you're looking for a buy low and you're a contender. Um, 
on the flip side, the Raiders. Um, I don't think Brian Edwards and Henry Ruggs are going to play this week. Um, I definitely think Ruggs was trending towards down. I'm not sure about Edwards. Edwards uh, walking boot on Thursday, so doesn't, yeah, doesn't look good. So it's probably going to be another tough week for their car, but maybe a good week for Hunter Renfro. Uh, Hunter Renfro capitalized on his opportunity. Much of it, though, came off the one big pass um, from Carr to Renfro. I forget how long that was, but it was a 27-yard touchdown, I believe. Or no, no, never mind. It got got called back at the one. But anyway, um, it's... It's a weird offense. It's Jay Gruen, uh, sorry, John Gruen offense. Um, I just, I, I don't know. Like Josh Jacobs is an every week start, obviously. This week was kind of low. Derek Carr is probably like a safe quarterback too to put in. Like he, he's just, you know, you kind of expect around the 15-point threshold from him game to game. Um, Anything you, else you guys want to add on this? Though The one other point I want to throw in was after Darren Waller had I, it was a crazy amount of targets, I think 16 last week. He only had four this week. I mean, he was kind of injured going into it, but any thoughts on the Raiders' offense? I think Belichick just said, I'm not letting Waller catch the ball, and that's our defensive game plan, and he did it. Yeah, that, <laughs> that worked for them. Yeah, so moving on, the next game we got is uh, Bengals-Eagles. And my words are, Boyd is Burrow's favorite. When stinks, ends in a tie. Yeah. Um, Carson Wentz, I'll start with him because we'll start, we'll start low and we'll go high. Um, he, had, like, he saved his game with a touchdown near the end when he dove in. Um, but he's just... It's it's so weird to see what's happening in Carson Wentz. I mean, part of that is he doesn't really like listen to the receivers he had this week. <laughs> Greg Greg Ward, uh, Deontay Burnett, John Hightower, um, Sean Jackson was actually there, but like it's it's just a really bad receiving group. And then Goddard also got injured, so then you just have Zacher to tight end too. So it's. You know, there are excuses that could be made for Wentz. He's got a tough O-line. They're very injured as well. I think three, two or three starters are out. And the receiving core is very bad. But even so, like, he still just does not look good. <laughs> um, I know there's a lot of Carson Wentz panic. Um, and, Jake, you even said that it would be a time to sell high on Carson Wentz. You just think it's going to go down and down. Are you still sticking with that? Yeah. Have you seen, <laughs> have you seen him play football lately? <laughs> I have. <laughs> he looks horrible. And I think his value is still very high right now just because people don't think it'll play like this. But he looks really bad. Like, really bad. Just, like, missing throws – overthrowing guys, throwing just straight to the other team. Like, these are mistakes you can't be making in your, what is it, his fourth season, fifth season? I I don't even know. Like, it's just, it just doesn't look good for him right now. And like you said, I know he doesn't have the weapons, and maybe when Rager comes back and and Goddard comes back and they have all their weapons, it's just, I just feel like it'll never all be perfect for Carson Wentz, and you might want (laughs) to cash in now. Yeah, I, I agree with that. Like, 
yeah, the team is banged up on the offensive line and, you know, kind of his weapons, but it doesn't completely excuse him, especially some of the mistakes he's making. Um, it's tough to really see him not be, you know, as good of a quarterback as he has been in the past. Um, so, I mean, it's kind of a tough decision that the Eagles had to make with him regarding their future. Um, but I don't know. I, I'm, I'm not completely over with Wentz. I think he still has a chance to turn it around, but, you know, he couldn't really have started much worse than he has this season. Yeah, I completely agree. And on the other side, though, Burrow continues to look fantastic and looks like he's worth that number one overall pick in the NFL draft, probably a top one, if not two pick in a dynasty super flex draft. So, you know, he looked really good. He threw the ball 44 times again today. A lot, always a lot of attempts from him. But the thing that I want to, like I pointed out earlier is Tyler Boyd is becoming his favorite target to throw to Tyler Boyd had 13 targets today for 10 receptions and 125 yards. He didn't score, but the next closest re- receiver was at nine with who was T Higgins and it wasn't even AJ green. So if I'm a Tyler Boyd owner, I am very pleased. Yeah. And you have to be excited about Joe Burrow too. Um, I think the first two games, I mean, I think since he's offensive line is just not very good at all. Like you've seen that with Joe Mixon. He hasn't been able to get much going this year. And with Joe Burrow, you know, he doesn't have a lot of time to throw. That's why, like, especially in the first two games, he had to dink and dunk a lot. Um, but he's still been, you know, able to show some nice composure under pressure. Um, and, you know, it's kind of unfortunate their offensive line isn't better because I think with Burrow's skill set and with the Bengals receiver's skill set, I think they have a lot of guys that could go and get the deep ball. So, you know, it would be nice if we were able to see that a little bit more from Burrow. Um, and he just hasn't really had the opportunity, but I think you got to be happy with what you've, you're seeing from him so far. Um, so I think we can move on to the next game really quickly. Um, so that would be Texans and Steelers. And my 10 words are Deontay concussed, McFarlane gets a roll, Randall Cobb relevant. What do you guys think? Um, you can hear me now, right? Yeah. Good. Yeah. So one, Deontay has looked very good. Um, now he does have the concussion, which took him out of the game, which was unfortunate. He's actually one of my, my stardoms this week, so he uh, <laughs> took a hit in the points there. Um, but, yeah, so, one, I'm feeling more and more like Juju is not going to be sticking around. I think Juju will be moving on from the Steelers um, after this year. Um, or, no, next year. Right? Next year. No, maybe. This, is, this is the last year on his contract, yeah, I'm pretty sure. So I think he'll be moving on um, this year. Um, James Conner, an- another solid game after Jake woke him up <laughs> and just yelled at him, called him a bum. <laughs> um, anything else I'd add for the Steelers is that um, 
James Washington still looks decent. It's just unfortunate that there are so many other weapons on that team. Um, even with Eric Ebron now being involved in the red zone, like the target that he should be. Um, and yeah, I guess I'll stop there for the Steelers if you guys want have anything to add, and then we can move on to the Texans. Um, I would say that Chase Claypool's this season, he hasn't been super involved, but he's made a couple nice plays. And yeah, I, I also think that Juju's gone after this year. Um, but I really like Deontay Johnson and, and Claypool's also showing a little bit as well. Yeah, fair enough. I agree with both of you. So I'm going to move on to the, the Texan side of things where Randall Cobb looked pretty decent, which I'm surprised. I mean, he's pretty old. He's uh, been around the league a, a little bit last year he was in Dallas after multi, multiple, multiple years in Green Bay. So he had 95 yards and a touchdown this week. And Watson seemed to enjoy throwing the ball to him. Obviously, Fuller also had 54 yards and a touchdown. And uh, it was kind of a, uh, not as good of a game for Brandon Cooks, who only had three receptions for 23 yards. But overall, the Texans, they hung in this game versus a very tough Steelers game, uh, Steelers team. Um, I don't know. Not really much going on outside of that. Yeah, so what I add to that is – um, I actually went out and bought Brandon Cooks this week. I think now is a good time to go and get him. Um, simply because, one, he was injured in the first week. I know Will Fuller was injured second week. Um, but Cooks actually leads the team out of those receivers in targets. Um, so it's just the production just isn't there yet. But I think if Cooks could start becoming more efficient, um, they're also – they played against some – tough defenses too so far the, the, uh, the Texans had to play the Chiefs Ravens and now Steelers um, which does not help them um, so yeah now I'd say is a good time to keep Cooks uh, to go out and buy Cooks I mean um, Will Fuller again on the injury list he was limited today in practice so hopefully he plays on Sunday but we'll see uh, it's just expected at this point. If you're a Wolf Fuller owner, you got to know if he's healthy, he's probably getting you a decent amount of points. But that's a big F. <laughs> um, also, I, I did go and get Jordan Akins off the waiver wire a couple weeks ago, too. It was kind of a disappointing game for him, but I still like him as a red zone target uh, for the Texans. Um, anything else you guys want to talk about? Yeah, I'll say – I mean, maybe it can be attributed to the Texans just having a brutal schedule so far. Um, but I think kind of with their receivers, like it's, it's like as much as like a wide receiver by committee as you're going to get. I think mm -hmm. Cooks, JT just talked about him. I think he does have the safest floor kind of because he's leading the team in targets. Um, but like with him, Cobb, Fuller, and even like Kenny Stills, like, I feel like each of those guys could just be so boom or bust week to week. It's going to be hard to predict who's going to be, like, the number one guy there. Yeah, I, I completely agree. And they also have Isaiah Coulter coming off IR soon, their rookie out of Rhode Island. So that wide receiver core is just crowded. But uh, one final note, David Johnson finished the game with 13 rushes for 23 yards. He did kind of salvage his day on a, on a touchdown, but uh, – He's back to his normal under two yards to carry. So not looking yeah. good for David Johnson owners if you were a 
as you, you probably should have sold him after week one when he looked pretty decent. So that's that. Uh, moving on to the next game, which is Jets Colts. I don't know if there'll be much here, but here are my 10 words. Colts get two pick sixes and a safety. Jets suck. So Lucas is our resident Jets fan. So if you want to just cover the Jets as best you can, <laughs> what even was fantasy relevant for them? Yeah, they're absolutely horrible. Um, <laughs> they did have, well, the first drive of the game ended with a pick six. Um, the second drive was pretty much the only positive for them in the entire game. Darnold made some nice throws. He had a really impressive highlight where he was like able to get away from a sack in the backfield and then throw uh, a touchdown on like an absolute dart to Braxton Barrios. But um, outside of that, this was just by far the worst game the Jets have played <laughs> this year. And I mean, that's saying something considering how bad they were the first two weeks as well. Um, and especially Darnold, it was really disappointing from him. Um, three interceptions in this game. He was not terrible the first two weeks, um, but this this game he was just pretty bad. Um, and, yeah, um, obviously he doesn't have the weapons at all. Like I've said, like, I think anyone that Sam Donald was throwing the ball to last week, like, probably wouldn't even be active on another NFL roster. Um, and the offensive line, they lost Makai Becton, their first-round pick. Uh, who had played really well the first two weeks. They lost him early in this game. Um, I just feel really bad for Darnold. He just has nothing going for him, and hopefully um, he's able to get a chance to salvage himself. Yeah, so then I think Lucas did a really good job covering the mess that is the Jets. Uh, I think we all shared the same sentiment in previous weeks, too, about what we think about the team. Um, from the cold side... Phil Rivers is just very eh. – he's not even, like – currently he's not even considered a QB2. He'd be a high-end QB3, which is not really saying anything. Um, so, you know, it's kind of near the end of the road for him. Uh, running backs, um, Naheem Hines uh, showed up again this week. He had seven carries, actually, uh, for 21 yards and then four receptions for 40 yards. Um, Jonathan Taylor only had 13 carries this week, which I believe – um, was his – oh, sorry, no. It was not his team uh, week low. Uh, that was week one when Marlon Mack was originally a starter. But uh, it's half of what he had last week when he had 26 carries. So well, a lot fewer carries, but he did save his uh, week with a touchdown. Um, Jordan Wilkins also got involved in the running game. He's someone that you should look out for. He's probably a good handcuff if Taylor were to go down because anyone behind that line uh, could probably have a productive week. Um, the receivers, um, Pittman is now injured too. So that really just leaves you T.Y. Hilton and Zach Pascal um, for wide receivers. But someone that you need to look into is Mo Alley-Cox. Um, Mo Alley-Cox is a tight end for them. Um, he's only in his, I believe this is his third year, maybe his fourth. Um, he actually played basketball for VCU. So there's another tight end that played basketball. I'm sure you'll hear that a lot on broadcasts. Um, but pro football focus in, in two straight weeks has had him as one of their top players. And he actually had um, the top um, scoring tight end for pro football focus since Rob Gronkowski uh, a few years ago. 
which is impressive to see. Now, Jack Doyle should be coming back, but even so, Frank Reich said that um, they still will have Mo Alley Cox uh, involved in the game plan. Um, anything else do you guys want to add to this game? No, this game sucked. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, let's move on, please. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so the next game we got was Panthers-Chargers. Teddy can't support fantasy production consistently. Eckler remains elite. Yeah, so it's interesting. I'm a DJ Moore owner, and it's kind of frustrating uh, not seeing him get in the end zone, but it's not different than previous years. Um, DJ Moore is still one of the top leaders in receiving yards currently, but he's just not he, – he had a couple of red zone targets, but just couldn't make the most of it, so that's frustrating. Um, Mike Davis had a really good game. Um, which I think people expected kind of because of McCaffrey going down. They still thought that the running back position would be involved, which it was. Um, Robbie Anderson was um, the leader for targets for the Panthers, although it was basically spread out evenly between him, DJ Moore, and Curtis Samuel, who actually had a couple carries um, also because he was a running back in college. Um, But really the the best – the best fantasy option outside of Mike Davis on this team was Joey Sly, who just kept hitting field goals. <laughs> um, then on the Chargers side, um, I'm a Justin Herbert owner as well. I've been liking what I'm seeing. He kind of – he's targeted Keenan Allen a bunch. If I'm a Keenan Allen owner, I'm loving when Justin Herbert plays because he has had 29 targets in the past two games, which is just a ridiculous number. Um, but what that kind of says about Herbert is either two two things. It's either, one, he just really likes Keenan Allen and, you know, figures that he will get open. Or two, which I believe is more likely, is that he's still a first-read quarterback, which I think teams will start to take advantage of. Um, so hopefully Herbert's able to learn quickly that he can go through multiple players uh, after he snaps the ball. Um, Austin Eckler bounced back. He had a really good game that many people were expecting him to have at the beginning of the season. And Josh Kelly kind of fell flat. Um, anything else you guys want to add on? Yeah, I'll just tell you about uh, Bridgewater. Um, I guess I can understand some of the frustration with owning him in fantasy, but I think the thing you kind of have to realize is, like, this is who Teddy Bridgewater is. Like, he, despite what his fantasy stats were, he had a good game against the Panthers. I mean, he's basically just a game manager. You just want him to, you know, not turn the ball over, not light up the world, but, you know, he's kind of, you know, a mid-low-end QB2 in fantasy. Um, so, I don't know. I, I feel like people kind of have higher expectations for him, but, you know, he's just not going to be – that stud week to week in fantasy, even if he is playing well in real life. Yeah, I agree with exactly what you said. It's kind of tough to hear when you're a DJ Moore or even a uh, Robbie Anderson owner because Teddy Bridgewater is just not going to do a whole lot every week. He's a game manager. He doesn't lose the games, but he doesn't win the games, and it's just who he is. So moving on, uh, Bucks broncos Godwin gets hurt. Evans scores twice, but that's it. Rippin replaces Driscoll. Yeah, so I, I guess I'll just pose this question first to you guys. Um, 
Jake and Lucas made a trade where Lucas acquired Mike Evans in that trade. And now Mike Evans has had okay games minus the first one, but it's been two games out of three so far where he's had two yards <laughs> receiving. What are you thinking about that, Lucas? It's, it's really tough. I think <laughs> I'm not super worried about it, to be honest. I think he's going to get more involved as the season goes on. I mean, he's, he's an elite receiver. I think he's one of the more underrated receivers in the league. Um, and Tom Brady, I mean, is eventually just going to, I think, start finding him a lot more. Um, he has, you know, those like three catches in those two games where he hasn't done much, but all three of them have been touchdowns, which has <laughs> kind of saved his fantasy scoring. Um, but I think he should get involved more as the season goes on. Yeah, I mean, he did already have a game where he had like over 100 yards and multiple, multiple targets. And I just think it's a, it, there's just so many mouths to feed in Tampa Bay that you're going to get some of these games. And even these games aren't bad for him. He scored twice. So he's a very high floor type of player, um, even if he is a little streaky during the season. Yeah. Um, this was the first game where Tom Brady really looked like himself, too. Um, I think that's important to note. Um, I think Leonard Fournette is injured this week, so it'll be yep. Ronald Jones' backfield to own. Same thing with Chris Godwin. He's hurt. Um, so it looks like Scotty Miller might be the second receiver, except he's also questionable. And then the other second potential wide receiver is Justin Watson, who's also injured. <laughs> so it might be a Tyler Johnson game. I don't even know what they're going to do. Maybe they just target all their tight ends and spread that out. Although we've heard what Bruce Arians has to say about tight ends. Despite them targeting, targeting that position 11 times last week. Um, on the other side, we had Jeff, uh, Jeff Driscoll start, which did not go well. Um, and then Brett Ripien was in. Um, and he'll be the starter tonight. So it'll be Fun to see how he does against the Jets. Who knows? Melvin Gordon had a very quiet game um, with only eight carries for 26 yards. Um, and then the receivers. I don't know what you guys are thinking about the receivers. Uh, it looks like it's Jerry Judy's um, core to own. But Tim Patrick also had a very good game. And Noah Fant at uh, tight end is also getting a lot of targets. Um, so, I don't know. If you guys were – if you guys had any of these receivers, what are your thoughts going into the rest of the season, or at least the, the next couple of weeks with uh, Brett Ripien as your quarterback? I'm not going to – I wouldn't be expecting too much. I think – I mean, Jerry Judy is obviously the number one. So he should have, I guess, the safest floor. But, I mean, if you're, you know, between Brett Ripien or Jeff Driscoll or Blake Bortles – <laughs> um, I just wouldn't be expecting too much from the Broncos passing game. Unless the boat's in. If the boat's in, it's game over for all teams. Oh, yeah. Easily 100 yards from uh, every receiver and tight end in, yeah. that, in that case. And two touchdowns each. Yeah. 
<laughs> all right. I, I think that's all we got to cover this game, right? You got anything else, Jacob? Not, nothing really. Um, I just – I I'm not sleeping on uh, K.J. Hamler. I don't think we've mentioned him yet. Um, I think he's looked really nice in his first few games in his NFL career. Um, I think he could benefit. He's a guy that's going to run a lot of – a lot of, you know, slants over the middle that, you know, could be beneficial to an unexperienced quarterback. Um, yeah. And, you know, if I'm Cortland Sutton owner, I'd be a little worried uh, about what his role will be in the future because I don't think it will be wide receiver one. And who knows if it will even be wide receiver two. I agree with you. I'd be a little worried if I was a, a Sutton owner here. But uh, moving on. We got Lions, Cardinals, and my words are Galladay returns. AP gets 22 touches. Kyler to Hopkins, best in the league. Yeah, so surprisingly, the Lions, who I kind of bagged on last week, um, beat the Cardinals, uh, which I did not expect. Um, Adrian Peterson, the running backs are probably a storyline from the Lions. Uh, because Matt Patricia and the running backs coach have said that they're just going to ride Adrian Peterson. He's a freak of nature. They said, like, he's really good. Now, the issue with that is DeAndre Swift was probably taken near the top of the first round in rookie drafts this year. Um, and at this point, you got to think he might be just in Detroit purgatory where he's very talented, but the coaching staff doesn't want to put him out there and – the game script probably says that there's going to be a lot of passing and, you know, maybe if Patricia gets fired, maybe the new coaching staff isn't going to want Swift. So it's just already a lot of panic thoughts in your head. Where are you guys on the panic meter for DeAndre Swift? I mean, for this year, pretty high overall, pretty low. You don't spend a, a high, that high a pick on a running back if uh, you don't plan on using them. Um, I think learning from AP could be beneficial long-term. Um, he is one of the best running backs in NFL history. So for this year, I wouldn't be too pleased, but moving forward, I think it's fine. Yeah, I would agree with that. I think, I mean, AP has just been the most productive back, and so they're going to stick with him. Meanwhile, like DeAndre Swift, you know, in that week one game, he dropped the game winning touchdown. So I think, you know, once you make a mistake like that and someone's out producing you, you're just going to be kind of lower on the pecking order. And I think Matt Patricia is kind of going with that direction because, you know, I think he is on the hot seat really for his job. So he's going to want to try to win as much as possible. Um, and I just think DeAndre Swift for right now doesn't give them the best chance to win, but he's obviously going to get a chance sooner or later. Mm -hmm. Those are good points. Um, sticking with the Lions, um, Kenny Galladay still looks like Kenny Galladay um, coming back from injury. Um, TJ Hawkinson still looked good, but it was just a okay fantasy game for him. Um, I don't know if you guys have anything you want to add to the Lions before I jump to the Cardinals. Um, I will say if you read my week three preview, you would have been happy with the Lions – uh, and the under parlay probably wouldn't have been as happy with the other picks. But, uh, I was glad I was able to pick that upset. Nice. Um, that's for Lucas puts out a weekly um, 
don't know. How would you describe it, Lucas? A lot, a lot of game picks uh, going on. Yeah, it's just like a preview of all the games with picks and stuff for the week. Mm-hmm. And that you could find on our Twitter, um, third and 20 with an underscore underneath it, with 3RD and 2-0 underscore. Um, and then the third and 20 website, same thing, except .com. Um, so then on the Cardinal side, um, Kyler Murray threw three picks, which was surprising because he's been playing really well before then. I think people would have him still at right around probably top five dynasty, you know, four or five probably. Um, just an unusual game for him. Um, more importantly, though, DeAndre Hopkins, another 12 targets for him, uh, 10 catches. Um, <laughs> just crazy to see. Um, what was interesting, though, about this is Christian Kirk was out with, like, a groin injury. So, Andy Isabella really capitalized. Uh, he only had 47 yards and four targets, but he also had two touchdowns from that. Um, so, people that picked Andy Isabella early um, in rookie drafts last year are, you know, they're getting probably sucked back in. Um, what do you guys think about the receiving core outside of DeAndre Hopkins? Yeah, I think – if you're an Isabella owner, you're finally glad that he's been able to do something. Um, and I think Christian Kirk is coming back this week, right? I think so. I think it's I, I'm pretty sure he's been practicing at least uh, Thursday and Wednesday and Thursday. So. Okay, like, so he's back. Uh, DeAndre Hopkins hasn't been practicing, so he very well can miss this game. So I think it'll be interesting to see this week uh, between Isabella and Kirk who ends up being more productive. Um, and, I mean, it's been, you know, kind of Kirk's had the bigger role so far. But if Isabella can keep producing, I don't know, maybe he can uh, steal that work away. Yeah, it's good points. Um, and just kind of a quiet game for Kenyon Drake and Chase Edmonds in the backfield. Um, are you guys ready to move on? Yep. Yeah. Um, next game is well, probably one of the most exciting games of the week, Seattle mm-hmm. versus Dallas. And my words are Russ Cooks, Gallup leads the Cowboys, Metcalf, idiotic fumble, Carson Hurd. Yeah, that was a dirty play on Carson. Um, but I think I heard he, he's playing this week, right? 50-50. Um, he's been able to do light work. I don't know if he'll, they'll give it a go or they're going to rest him. Who knows? Yeah, so I guess we'll stick with that team. Um, outside of Chris Carson, I don't think I'd want any of the running backs this week. Um, who knows what Richard Penny will do when he comes back, but he's on the long-term IR, right? He's not coming back for like week eight or something. Uh, yeah, he's on the PUP, which... Yeah, PUP, yeah. Yeah, but the thing about that is like, I don't really... This is kind of a random point, but I don't really understand the point of putting someone on the PUP when you could just have them on IR to return after three weeks. There must be some advantage to doing the PAP, but just for like the rules this year. Um, I know it's not really relevant for what we're talking about, but I just don't see why the PUP is used. Yeah, <laughs> I'm gonna be honest, I don't know either. Um, but yeah, so running backs outside Chris Carson was my point. Russell Wilson, very good QB one. <laughs> Jake's given the feed me kind of thing that Zeke does. Um, <laughs> Then receivers, Tyler Locke has just been a monster. I've been saying for a while he's kind of underrated and undervalued. Currently, he's a wide receiver, too. Um, 
Yeah, I mean, it helps when you have Russ throwing the ball and you have three touchdowns last week and it's only been three weeks. But he definitely looks very good. I don't know if you saw, but DK Metcalf actually tweeted today that uh, Tyler Lockett is the most underrated receiver in the league. I'm not saying I see that, but I agree. So back up your point, you have DK Metcalf tweeting the same thing. Mm-hmm. So it's interesting you brought that up. Yeah, I, I didn't see that, but I've been saying it for a long time now. I, like Tyler Lockett in our league has been kind of used as just like a trade piece, but he's like legit. <laughs> um, DK, another good game for him. Um, he's starting to spark conversation of like, what tier wide receiver would you put him in? Like, And – Personally, I'd say very high. Like he's definitely outside of that Michael Thomas, DeAndre Hopkins, Devontae Adams kind of thing. But that second tier right there, I, I think I'd consider him right there. Um, he's also depending on standard versus PPR. He's you know wide receiver three, wide receiver six. But you just know Seattle is just giving you a lot of production at the wide receiver position with those two. Um, you guys got any more thoughts on the Seahawks? No, not really. Just let Russ cook, baby. Just keep letting him go. I, I am a Russ owner, and I'm loving every second of this. I've been waiting for this. They don't. They used to not let him let him cook, and now they are, and he's just showing what he's got. He is the best QB in the league, no doubt in my mind. Um, yeah, I would agree with that. Jake's also a Dak Prescott owner in our league, and, you know, out of the receiving core of Michael Gallup, Amari Cooper, CeeDee Lamb, Cedric Wilson had the highest um, point total this week where he had 107 yards and two touchdowns. Um, but basically all receivers have decent to good fantasy games. Um, C.D. Lamb uh, was the lowest, but even so, he still had a decent amount of five catches for 65 yards. Um, Zeke still Zeke. Um, he only had 34 yards, but he got the touchdown and also six catches for 24 yards. Uh, which was good. Um, anything else you guys want to talk about for the Cowboys? Um, Michael Gallup, he looked fantastic to this week. Um, he he got that obviously that long touchdown he had, but he's also seeming to increase his targets every week. Which, if you were a Michael Gallup owner, you were probably very nervous heading into the year with them drafting Ceedee Lamb. So just to see that his his production has been pretty consistent. He had nine targets this week for 138 yards and a touchdown. He played fantastic, and if that continues, this high-powered Dallas offense can easily support three receivers, as it's shown in the first three weeks. Yeah, I don't really have anything to add. Um, obviously, Dak was just airing it out the whole game. Um, so – the stats aren't going to be like this any week, every week, but um, it's encouraging that all the receivers had nice games. Yeah. So moving on to the Sunday night game. Uh, Rogers fuck you tour continues. Kamara is the Saints offense. Yeah. So I guess I'll start with the Saints. Um I jokingly said that the Saints offense without Michael Thomas is basically just give it to Kamara and let him do everything with the occasional Latavius Murray spell. But that was literally what it was. (laughs) Um, So, you know, Kamara looked really good. Drew Brees, not so much. 
Um, I think uh, I'm ready to say he's just washed, um, which is sad to see. He's like one of the greats. Um, but I, I, this has to be his last year. Um, uh, we've, we've been talking about it. We It should be fun to see what Jameis Winston could do in this offense. They, they might put up 50 points, but they might turn it over 20 times and <laughs> lose. I love every second of it. Yeah. Throw Jameis in there. Let me see yeah. a Sean Payton offense run by Jameis yeah. Winston. Oh, yeah. I want that entertainment. Um, Emmanuel Sanders actually popped up um, and had uh, four receptions for 56 yards and a touchdown. Um, which is a lot better than what he's been doing. But now Michael Thomas should be coming back either this week or the following. So, again, Emmanuel Sanders probably is going to be on your bench, um, and he'll be another person that will be riding off into the sunset too. Um, on the other side, well, actually, do you guys have anything you want to add for the Saints? Yeah, I will say about Emmanuel Sanders, I was really, really high on him coming into the season, but obviously it's been a letdown. I mean, he had a good game, like, in week three, but without Michael Thomas, like, I mean, maybe he could have even done better. Um, and with Drew Brees, yeah, it's clear he's taken a step back. He did play pretty well. He had he had a nice stat line in this game. Um, but, I mean, a lot of it was just kind of letting Kamara do his thing. Um so, yeah, I think Drew Brees, um, the clock is ticking on him. Yeah. JT, you want to start on the Packers? Yeah, so um, Jake was right by Aaron Rodgers. Man, looks very good uh, still. Uh, and it looks like Jordan Love just inspired him to <laughs> be really, really good. So maybe a good draft. Um, Aaron Jones was still still had a decent – game, uh, 69 yards and a touchdown on 16 carries, um, and then two receptions for 17 yards. But receivers is what I want to talk about, slash uh, tight ends. Um, Alan Lazard had a very good game with Devontae Adams, and now he's out indefinitely with a core muscle surgery, I guess is what happened. We just learned that pretty recently, maybe like 20 minutes ago. Um, so Devontae Adams is coming back, and it's looking like Obviously, it's his targets to own. Um, but another player is Robert, um, whose name I always screw up, Robert Tonyan, Tonyan, whatever. Um, you know, going into the season, people were saying it was going to be Jay Sternberger's uh, tight end position. He was going to be a starting tight end. But he had a pretty bad camp. Um, and then he kind of showed that in the beginning of the season with a couple drops. Um, so, yeah. Robert Tonian was practicing with George Kittle during the off season, and now look at him. He's got five receptions for 50 yards and a touchdown. And I'm starting to think he's going to become more fantasy relevant now that Lazard's out too. Yeah, the Sternberger kind of hype train that was going on for a little bit right before the season, I never really understood. Um, he's just not really much of a receiving tight end. And, I mean, even – like, he was injured most of last year. But when he played, like, he really didn't get many looks. And I think this game, like, he made his first career catch. So. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I mean, I as seen in prior years, the Packers really don't use a tight end that heavily in their offense. I know 
you know, second year under uh, LaFleur. So might change a little bit, but like historically over the past five, six years, they don't really use a tight end. Um, I think Tanyan's not a bad, you know, bi-week fill-in kind of, kind of player, but I think the big news is that the hype, like Lucas said, the hype train on Sternberger is just completely halted. Um, <laughs> at this point, <laughs> there is um, no. Yeah, it's it's over. It's ended. It's derailed. It's gone. It's broken. Um, but yeah, Aaron Rodgers has played great, and I don't really know what to make of these wide receivers, especially with Lazard going down. Does MVS step up? I don't know. He's had every opportunity and really done nothing with it. So pretty weird. All right, moving on. Yeah, so final game of the week, we got Ravens and Chiefs. And this game really didn't go how I thought it would go. But uh, my words are, Ravens can't play from behind. Hardman balls uh, and the left tackle scores. Yeah, so I'm the Lamar Jackson, Patrick Mahomes owner in our league. Um, (laughs) It was two different stories. Uh, I'll start with the bad. Lamar Jackson had... He was 15 of 28 for 97 total passing yards, but he also had nine carries for 83 yards. Uh, but he did have a fumble with that. Although, yeah, it was it was just bad. I mean, what's encouraging about that is that's probably his floor. <laughs> his floor is 14 points. So that's at least a little encouraging. Um, there's a lot of panic I saw on forums and everything, but it's like they were playing against the Chiefs. It's, probably, it's definitely the best offense they're going to face all year. They're probably not going to be behind most often. Um, Lamar Jackson doesn't get enough credit for it. He's actually decently accurate. I mean, most of the time he's just throwing to open guys. And that's what you want from a quarterback, really. (laughs) So it's fine with me. Um, Marquise Brown almost had a long touchdown that would have saved his game. But otherwise, uh, he only had two catches for 13 yards. He's kind of getting tossed around in the middle, which – you expect from someone that only weighs like 170 pounds. Um, yeah, that's all I really have to add on the Raven side. Other than the running backs, uh, they kind of turned away from the running game plan, which really screwed over all of the running backs, and none of them had a fancy relevant night. Um, Lucas, you're a J.K. Dobbins owner. What do you think? Yeah, I was after week one. I was kind of hoping that he would have a bigger role in the offense going forward. Um, I mean, in this game, he actually led the team in receiving, so that was a positive. But, um, yeah, I just think it's going to take time. I think, you know, he he is getting limited action so far, but he has been pretty productive with the work he has gotten. So his time is going to come. Yeah, to go off Lucas's, what Lucas is saying, um, I'm pretty sure that he led all running backs in snaps. So that's a first that he's done it, actually. So he's trending in the right direction. I know he only had one rush attempt tonight or on Monday, but uh, his time's coming, like Lucas has said. Um, I'm going to start on the Chiefs, though. Mahomes looked like MVP Mahomes in this game. You know, he put up 385 yards, four touchdowns, no interceptions, and just controlled the entire game. He looked in the driver's seat, no worries, just picking apart a a good Ravens defense, you know. Kelsey had 
six receptions for 87 yards. Hardman had four for 81 and a touchdown. Hill had five for 77 and a touchdown. And Edwards Allaire had five receptions for 70 yards as well as 20 rush attempts for 64 yards. So this team has so many weapons and then they get the left tackle involved on top of it. They throw a touchdown <laughs> to Eric Fisher. Like, yeah, you know, on a, a first and goal play, and you are just worried about Kelsey and Tyree Hill across the middle, and they throw it to the left tackle. Like, this team is just unbelievable. I have a hard time seeing who beats them in the playoffs. I really do, and I hate to say that. It's only week four, but this team looks destined to repeat, in my opinion. Yeah, the only thing I'd add to that is not only did they throw it to Eric Fisher, the first touchdown of the game, he flipped it off to Anthony Sherman, or first passing touchdown. I think he ran it in first, but – yeah, it's just anyone could catch a touchdown on this team. It's just they're very deadly on offense. Uh, I also agree. I, I find it hard to believe that any other team is going to be able to beat them after this kind of week. Yeah, they definitely look really scary. And, I mean, it's not just Mahomes and their offense. Their defense has also been playing pretty lights out. Like Lamar Jackson had under 100 passing yards in this game. He was able to run around a little bit, but um, – the Chiefs just kind of were dominating this game the entire way through against a really solid Ravens team. A, a team that many picked to win the AFC over the Chiefs, actually. I'm, I'm pretty sure I was one with the Cowboys, and now neither pick's looking that good. So we'll see, though. It's week three. Hey, mine, I did, okay, mine's looking pretty uh, – actually, I took the Saints, but uh, I had Saints-Chiefs, so not that bad. Um, but speaking of the Chiefs, if we want – move on to what we're looking forward to in week four. Yeah. So obviously week four coming up, the Chiefs and the Pats, which just a good game. Obviously it's not what we've become accustomed to in this matchup where it's Mahomes versus Brady, you know, one goat to potentially the next. Um, uh, And it's just, it'll still be interesting with Belichick and see how he games plans here against the not the reigning MVP, but the former MVP, Patrick Mahomes. Yeah, I'm as a Patriots fan, I'm not too excited about their chances. But the couple things I do like about it is they're the Chiefs are coming off a short week and have to it's in Foxborough, right? Um, um let me just take a quick look. I believe uh no, it's a Chiefs home game. Oh, okay. it's an hour ahead. So <laughs> All right, so so no, um feeling like it's the Chiefs <laughs> but you know uh, I as a Patriots fan I just want to see him compete kind of like what they did against the Seahawks you know then as long as they could steer the ship into the playoffs it's anyone's game from there so that's all I'm really looking forward uh, looking to see yeah I don't think you can count the Patriots out really ever um, and I do think this is going to be a pretty close game I think it should be about a one possession game um but I think the Chiefs are just playing too well offensively and defensively. Mm-hmm. All right. Then um, the next thing we're looking forward to, can the Falcons blow another lead versus the Packers on Monday Night Football? Um, I'll start by saying I don't think the Falcons will ever have a lead this game. <laughs> I agree. <laughs> um, Dan Quinn's got to be feeling the hot seat now, and I feel like it's not going to well, you know, you know what I'm saying. <laughs> like, like it's on fire now at seat, and it's not going to feel much better after um, 
a game against the Packers with primetime Aaron Rodgers. No, I think Dan Quinn is – I think it just has to be over for him with the last two games. Um, and then in the most recent game against the Bears, like, I was watching Red Zone at the time, but, I mean, when the Bears were making their comeback, it just seemed like they had the ball the entire fourth quarter. They had – those. they had – I, they outscored them 20 to zero in the fourth quarter. They had three touchdowns. And I think they even had two more possessions where they didn't score, but they were like in the red zone. So, I mean, to just allow your opponent to get into scoring position like that five times in one quarter, when you have a multi-possession lead and lose the game, I think, you know, a good part of that falls on the coaching staff. Yeah. I just think Dan Quinn, fundamentally does not understand clock management. <laughs> I don't think he ever has. I don't think he ever will. <laughs> yeah, I said in my preview for this week, if you're a Falcons fan, you probably need to be kept away from any open windows after the last two games. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I agree. But uh, another thing we're looking at, uh, I'm looking forward to at least, is uh, a game between two teams that might be underperforming. Uh, might not be, just might be who they are, but they're two 0-3 teams. It's the Texans and the Vikings. Can both actually be as bad as they've been? Uh, I guess I'll take a – I just I, – I think this has to be the Texans game to win. Like, it's a tale of two totally different stories where the Texans have been in most of the games, but just, you know, they're going up against really good opponents – First, the Vikings, where their offense and, and defense at times have just looked abysmal. Um, I don't know if you guys have anything you want to add towards that. I have yeah. No. Oh, go, oh, for go it. ahead, Jake. No, go for it. I was going to go on the Vikings side, but you can go first on the Texans. Uh, well, I, I also am going to pick the – I think the Vikings are going to win this one. Um, I think, like I said about Kirk Cousins earlier, um, his big problem has been the turnovers this year. Um, but the Texans, on the other hand, haven't been able to force any interceptions so far. Um, you know, the Vikings defensively have not been able to stop anything, and the Texans have had a really tough schedule. So it's, I think it's going to be a pretty high-scoring game. The Texans are favorited, but um, I think the Vikings are going to be able to edge this one out. The, the Texans are a three-and-a-half-point favorite, but you get three points for playing at home. So are they really a favorite? I don't know. Uh, I guess by a half point, which is really close to a pick em. I think the Vikings win this game. I just think they finally figured out how to run this offense. I think they the first few games they really missed Stefan Diggs, and they didn't realize how big of a loss that was going to be. And I think Buffalo didn't realize how big of a pickup that was going to be on their end. But uh, this offense was missing that, that, that deep threat. And I think Justin Jefferson's emergence really jump-started that offense, as well as finally giving Dalvin Cook, you know, 20 touches, which is, makes sense. He's their best player. So if they play like that again, I think they edge this one out. Yeah. Um, the only other thing we had on here was um, the Steelers and Titans were postponed, but I feel like we kind of already covered that. Uh, hopefully it's the only one of the season, but – We'll see going forward. Uh, now if we want to get to our second last segment, uh, trending up and trending down. Uh, Jake, if you want to start with who you have as a players that are trending up and trending down. 
Uh, I'll do my trending up first. Um, it's a guy I just talked about. It's Justin Jefferson. He obviously broke out with like 175 yards and a touchdown this week. Um, but like I said, I don't think the, the, the Vikings really realized how big a loss Stefan Diggs was to this offense. And I really think they need Justin Jefferson to fill that void if this offense wants to be even close to what it was in the past few years. So I think he's going to continue to see this Maybe not, you know, the nine targets that you saw, but a good six or seven targets every week and continue to progress as their first-round pick. Who do you guys have trending up also? Uh, I have a pair of guys I have for my trending up. The first one, uh, who we already talked about, uh, Josh Allen. Again, he's just been able to do anything that he's been asked of this year. Um, Circle those wagons. He's still he's still a threat with his legs, and now that he's been able to rack up a lot of passing yards as well um, with over 300 yards every game, Stefan Diggs has been a huge pickup for them. Um, I think that he, for at least fantasy purposes, is definitely putting himself in that elite category. Uh, and then my other guy is DK Metcalf. Uh, he did have that really, really bad – fumble in the game that he should have scored a touchdown on. Um, but just the way Russell Wilson has been playing, there's going to be a lot of opportunity for him to follow up in, on his impressive rookie year. Um, and even with Tyler Lockett, I think there's just going to be ample opportunity for DK Metcalf to continue to be productive. Um, and as a player only in his second year, um, is definitely looking like a pretty good asset for the future. Yeah. Um, and so in my two guys, I kind of touched on both of them earlier as well. Uh, Mo Alley-Cox, I think I said all I could say about him. Uh, he's definitely – he's probably on your waiver wire or just got picked up recently. Um, he's someone I'd look to go get. And another lower-of-the-barrel kind of guy, but someone that you should look into is Hunter Renfro. Um, Ruggs and Edwards are both hurt so you know even for just maybe a stream this week um, Hunter Renfro is a guy who's been pretty reliable and I think will still have a spot in this league for years um, then do you want to talk about trending down yeah sure I'll start with the my trending down is Malcolm Brown um, obviously he came out to the season with a hot start and looked like he might have like won the backfield in week one but uh since then, it's been pretty much all Daryl Henderson. Daryl Henderson has looked really, really good, you know, breaking off large chunk plays at a time and just dominating the touches in the backfield. Uh, then also you have to factor in that Cam Akers is going to come back. They're not just going to discard a guy that they use the second-round pick on. So Malcolm Brown looks like he's going to be the odd man out in this backfield, and I just think he's on the way down. For my turning down, um, I have one person that I've already talked about a little bit, uh, Kirk Cousins. Um, again, he's already had six picks this year. He only had six all of last year. Um, and, you know, he's just kind of like not really been able to be himself. And the Vikings have kind of faded away. They need to be more like a run first team, but their defense just hasn't been able to stop anyone. So they've had to rely more on the pass game more. Um, and I think Kirk Cousins is a good NFL quarterback, but just 
you know, to needed to be depended on to win the game week after week. I just don't think that's him. And then my other guy, or well, guys, is um, a couple of the Dolphins wide receivers and Devontae Parker and Preston Williams. Um, both of these guys were really promising last year. Devontae Parker, first round pick a few years ago, finally broke out last year. This year, he's like around wide receiver 30 so far, um, which is kind of a disappointment as people were, you know, kind of hoping he would be back up in that wide receiver one, maybe his floor would be like a wide receiver two range. Um, and then Preston Williams, who before he tore his ACL last year was really going off as a rookie. Um, and then people were expecting him to come back healthy this year and, you know, pick up right where he left off, but he just hasn't had much going for him. Um, he did have a touchdown last week, but I think that might've been his only catch or one of like two catches for him. Um, and maybe things will change if uh, Tua comes in. Maybe he'll, you know, be able to boost those guys a little bit. But um, I think for those guys who are both pretty promising, if you have them in Dynasty coming to this year, you're a little bit disappointed. Yeah. And then speaking of disappointment so far, it's only week three. But right now I have trending down DeAndre Swift and Cam Akers, the two running backs. Um, I'm a little more worried about them than you two are. Um, and my issue with it is, like, obviously I think they're still very valuable, but when, when you're seeing players like, you know, CeeDee Lamb and James Robinson and Josh Kelly have much better games than them, like, you're getting kind of, you know, it's, it's a little upsetting to see, like, you want more production out of these players. Um, we, we said it at the beginning of the podcast, beginning of the season, um, you know, we didn't really expect either of these people to take over their backfields right away. Um, but it's still discouraging to see what's going on so far. Um, and my only advice would be to just stick with it and hope they turn it around because right now you'd be selling low. Yeah, I completely agree. I mean, selling on a guy you probably just took in the top half of a, a rookie draft is pretty tough. So I would just hold even though you have not trending down. So we'll move on to our final segment of this episode, which is our listener questions. Um, if you have any questions, please tweet at us at third and 20. That's at three RD and 20 underscore at the end. Um, so today's question, we have two. And the first one is, if you have a good player on a bad team that is getting better, do you sell in now or do you cash in now? Or do you wait for the team to improve? Um, I think this is kind of talking about like a Joe Mixon kind of guy where, you know, with a Joe Burrow, the team's getting better, but he's not producing right now. What, what would you guys think to do here? Uh, well, if that's specifically for like Joe Mixon, I feel like it's just you got a hole. Cause I mean, I'm just – that's how I interpreted it. I don't know how you guys interpreted it. But, so, so you're, you're saying like – you're talking about the actual NFL teams where it's like an Allen Robinson per se, where it's, he's a good player on a bad team, but now the team's getting better with Nick Foles yes. there. Yeah. Do you like wait and wait it out, see if his value does increase or do you try to just cash in now and get what you can? Um, I feel like it's very situation to situation. And I always feel like it's a trust your gut kind of thing. Like, 
like wait with Joe Mixon, I feel like most people would say that he's gonna get better. Like, like he he will be worth it. And right now you'd be selling low, um, just because everyone knows that he's going to be better. I feel like Joe Mixon is probably one of those people that's probably like should be moved the most, but he's probably the hardest to be moved, uh, just because. Both people know that he's going to be better than what he currently is, but the person buying isn't going to want to buy at what he should be. So it's just a hard, like, meet me in the middle kind of thing that I don't think is happening often. Um, but focusing back on the question, I-, I say for the most part, you trust your gut and you hold the player if you think he's going to get better. Yeah, I think – Ultimately, it depends on the player, but most of the time, you know, if you have confidence in them, if they're a good player, you know, their situation around them might not be good, and that could be limiting them fantasy-wise. But, I mean, if the talent is there, eventually they're going to be productive. So selling them too early, you know, could back to, could come back to haunt you. Um, yeah. What do you have to say, Jake? Um. I'm going to take a little different approach than you guys rather than like my faith in the player. I'm looking more at the status of my team in the league. Um, I think if you are a rebuilding team, um, it can hurt to, especially if the guy's an aging guy um, to sell him off. Like, but if you're a contender and you can, have the luxury to just have a guy like that sit around on your bench and not really worry about it too much. Obviously it's a hold. So I think it's more fantasy team dependent on, and your status in the league and where you are in the rebuild versus contender. Yeah. That's yeah. Okay. That's also, yeah. That's also important to consider. Mm-hmm. So the last question we have is what are the effects of aging QBs on wide receiver stock? So the way what, – what immediately comes to mind, for me at least, is Drew Brees. He looks washed. Um, how does that – how would that affect your opinion of Michael Thomas moving forward if, you know, it, it, the QB room is really uncertain? I mean, I know they have Jameis there, but they might go a rookie. They might sign – Jameis is only a one-year deal, so I'm not really sure what's going to go on there. Or a guy like Brees, what's the – or not Breeze, uh, Big Ben. And if he retires, what's the outlook for, you know, a Deontay Johnson? Does, what's your opinion on that? Um, to be honest, I don't think it has too much of a big impact, um, at least for in the examples that you gave. I think, you know, with the Saints, Michael Thomas is, you know, a top five wide receiver in the league. And I think if you're at that kind of elite level at wide receiver, it doesn't really matter um who the quarterback is you're still going to be putting up numbers i think for the steelers um you know i well personally i don't think juju's going to be here after this year so you know it doesn't really big ben doesn't really affect him um but maybe for a guy like deontay johnson uh chase claypool or even um a james washington um that's where i could see it having a bit of an effect because you know, these guys have shown promise, but they're obviously not at that elite level yet. So, you know, having to go through the learn growing pains of like a new quarterback could hurt them a little bit. 
But ultimately, I think if you're a good receiver, then it's not going to completely matter who the quarterback is for you. Yeah, so Lucas makes good points. Um, I'm going to take a different approach a little bit. My, my issue is more so, like, if these guys are on your team, like, they're – I feel like many dynasty players are guilty of looking too forward in the future and, you know, coming up with different scenarios in their head of what's going to happen and kind of going with those scenarios. So, like, if you own Deontay Johnson, like, it might be frustrating when someone comes to buy him, but we'll say, like, oh, Big Ben's not going to be there. Like, like he's not going to be as good as he is right now. Or, or same thing with Michael Thomas. Like, you know, like, Drew Brees can only be there for so long. How many targets is he going to get after Brees is gone? Like, it's just kind of frustrating to have to deal with that kind of stuff when you know that you have a good player and you know he's going to be good. Kind of like, you know, regardless of situation, he'll at least be relevant um, to own. And, you know, who knows? It could be even a better scenario in the future. Um, so that's my thing about it. It, it. it could be frustrating at times, but – as always, you kind of just have to don't sell low on your players just because you think that there's going to be a different um, situation. Yeah, I tend to agree with you on in terms of like the elite wide receivers, guys that are very established and or, you know, super high end talent. So, you know, the Michael Thomases, the Deontay Johnsons, like even the Chase Claypools, who was a second round pick in the NFL draft, like, those guys are talented, so talented, and just, I don't think it matters that much. Obviously, we saw last year where Juju just really was not good when he didn't have Ben, and now Ben's back, and Juju looks how he did two years ago. So I, I don't think it's a complete, like, as much. I think it makes a difference more than you guys do, obviously, because, you know, you know, if – like Teddy Bridge, like if you get replace him with a Teddy Bridgewater style of quarterback, you see what he's doing. Like it just, it just can't support as many weapons as a lot of these teams have. So I would be aware of it. I wouldn't overreact to it. I wouldn't sell low. But if you got a good offer for a guy like that, that's in that situation with the aging QB, I wouldn't hesitate to take it. Yeah, that's fair. And that's just. Don't sell low is my big thing. Like, yeah, you never want to sell low. You always want mm-hmm. to continue to make the value your, the value of your team go up as a whole, and selling low just never does that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's also, if you're that concerned about a quarterback leaving or retiring, um, I mean, you could also look on, like, an organiza- organizational level, like, the Steelers, even when Big Ben leaves, I think just because of who they are, like I'm pretty confident they'll be able to find a pretty solid replacement for him. Yeah, that's true. The Steelers, even last year with Duck Hodges, were like one game out of the playoffs. So they'll always find someone to replace Ben, even though he's been there for years at this point. All right. Does that sum everything up? I think so. So thank you guys for listening and we'll see you next week. Hope you enjoyed. Thanks guys. Thanks guys.